let's get into it. Welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show, everybody. Happy whatever day it is for you. It could be, it could even, for some people, this is interesting. Go ahead. Is there an eighth day? It's so funny you asked that. <laughs> like, could, could it just not be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday? You're saying like one of those uh, planetary cycles that doesn't have the 24-hour day? I mean, I don't know if I was going to run for public office. Mm-hmm. Obviously, my platform would be uh, taxis need to pay per honk. That'd be one. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, onions have to be sautéed or grilled. No raw onions. No raw onions on the hot dogs. Ever. Okay. Just like, just like unless it's Tex-Mex, and then it's like just and Then chopped. it's okay, but it's chopped finely. Yeah. And then the last one would be, uh, let's add a day. You just want an extra, you want more life. Yeah. And it would be a weekend. Same number of hours or? I think it'd be called midday and it'd be between Saturday and Sunday. Sounds Nordic. Mid, the midday. <laughs> midday. Um, how long do you think the ideal day is? And then think about it. Every weekend is a three-day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sick, it's, dude. You just invented uh, temporal inflation is what you time, just created. Time inflation, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised I'm the first person ever to think of this. Are you happy with the 24 hours we got cooking right now? That's hard to change because of the sun. You know you know how the sun works, right? It changes <laughs> it just, for sure. I mean, I could do with, um, actually, you know what? Maybe we go to a 14-day. Every day has like a Monday and Mon-night. So those are two days. You're, you're thinking, first of all, 14, not 24 divided into. <laughs> seven. Seven. You want, you want seven days in each day. Multiplied by two. Oh, now I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. Yeah. It took took me a moment like, to to reach to this level of fucking with the calendar. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I actually am more. I'm just thinking the eighth day is kind of what I'm talking about. I my problem with the current structure of the day, and it's okay in summer right now. Beautiful time in Austin, little warm. Is my workday ends at six or so, mm. and then I do activities until nine thirty or so. You have an activity block. I have an activity block. <laughs> it's recess. <laughs> And then my day's over. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you feel about eating at like 11 p.m.? Don't do it. Because that's where I'm at right no, now. I try to eat like, you know, five or six or seven at the latest. You ever do the thing where you, the first meal of the day you have is at like 11 p.m.? Yeah, no. I'm just like. <laughs> that's you know, not ideal. when I was your age. Sure. You see, but I need, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm delicate, you know? You think so? Yeah. I don't think so. I'm also just like a wood chipper. You know what I mean? Like I'm happiest when I've got a tree in the chipper. I see what you, know? you mean. Like just pure Fargo season. And by that, I mean like just I need food in the tummy. Yeah. I, I was a little jealous. You had a, a little Veracruz taco going. Oh, did you there. want some? No, I didn't want any, but I I respected the choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show. The other thing about the eight days a week is that, mm-hmm. you know, you know how sometimes they'll take an audio book or like an old hundred year old book or whatever, and then they'll edit the copy to deal with today's times. I have seen this, the Dr. Seuss effect. Yeah. And so what would be interesting is, is if we did go to eight days a week, would they need to change the Beatles song to nine days a week? Yeah, because instead right now, if they changed it, they people listen to the song and be like, they're just singing about. Every day, that's not a big deal. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the point that they're trying to make. Yeah, just throwing it out there, guys. It's it's something we can lobby for as a community, right? My eighth day, my last extra day uh, phenomenon. Are you familiar with the understanding that in medieval times, peasants had more time off than we do now? Hmm. It makes sense. I mean, there was less to do. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, it was like move the hay, <laughs> move know, it back, <laughs> move it back, <laughs> eat it, I guess. Oh, they, yeah. they did not have the raw onion roll. They didn't even have a bed to make and they didn't need to clean their houses because it was just made out of dirt. Yeah. Their, their house was made out of the thing that we clean things out of. Yeah. We've commit, created a complicated world for ourselves. We can know? simplify it a little bit. All right. Q&A pod. We haven't done one of these in a while. We're just going to dive in here. All right. We'll go back and forth. I'm going to pick one. You're going to pick one. We've got all of your questions here diving in through the screens. First question, and I'm just going to read it. Um, He said he's going to beat JoJo to it. Yeah. Uh, Drake Shotland (laughs) says, uh, what's your favorite club in the bag right now? God, it's a toughie. You know, I'll go first. Oh, go ahead. Um, Because I've only been renting clubs the last month. I've been on a straight rental. Oh, right. Club. Yeah, yeah, you straight. have been. I've rented six sets of clubs in the last wow. month. Terrible, terrible financial decision. Uh, but I've been really in love. I think I paid. 
for all those club runs. <laughs> I didn't say it was a terrible financial decision for me. <laughs> Not sure about that. Um, would be I, I've been in love with the the driver for the first time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Love affair. Yeah. And imagine if you had eight days, you could love that driver a whole extra day. This podcast brought to you by the eighth day. Yeah. It's not a religious organization per se. How about you? Because I feel like sometimes when I ask this question, thanks, Drake, is that uh, it's it's not just about what you're playing currently, but it's about what videos come out. So if we have a video come out where you're really hot with the putter, mm. but that happened months ago. Mm. So I feel like there's like a, a schism between the brain between now and then when yeah. it comes to your golf game. Yeah, there's real time and then there's real internet time. They're actually delayed by about a month. It's a latency fact. You could also seek to fix that problem too. Fix that problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me it's driver. Whatever, honestly, it's whatever club is in my nine little fingers, you know? I love that. Yeah, because the overlap is... It would I, was, be, I was wondering, but I see what you... I, see what I you have mean. 10 uh-huh. today. As far as we know. Honestly, make me an offer. I could get rid of one of them, no problem. I saw another question that was... I, I saw a couple of questions about Arcos. Mm. Uh, you know, there were some questions on the video that came out last week. 265 would. Yeah, people were giving me shit That's for what that. what the haters were saying. People don't think I can hit a 260. I've seen you hit a 260. Come, come now here to this place. I will hit this. Five foot wood. 250. <laughs> 260. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's like whatever, 245 with a little bit of rollout on a on a medium shot. Yeah, guys. I mean, I don't know. That's why I don't play a 3 wood is cuz it goes too far. I hate you so much. <laughs> it's infuriating. I mean, look. We all know length isn't quite the game. Oh, here's a question. Do you smoke? <laughs> yeah. Answer the why, question. Why you got them? <laughs> you got them, Mike? I only smoke in Asian countries. Yeah, and what you mean cigarettes, to be specific. Yeah, I don't smoke weed. I will never smoke weed, but I did smoke a lot of I smoked more weed than pretty much anyone listening to the podcast, I'm pretty sure. But uh, I once rolled a joint that was the length of your forearm and the width of... You're talking to me? Yeah. My forearm? Yeah, anyone's forearm. That was the length of a, of a forearm, and it was the at the end, it was the width of a silver dollar. How did you light it with, you know, a pyrotechnic display? Did it come I mean, with a fuse? I had a small, like, lighter, but, you know. Who rolled this? Fire joint? beget fire. Like, wait, Who rolled it? Yeah. I did. You rolled? It took, like, 11 rolling papers. Where did you get all the weed? I had a filter. It was an ounce of weed. Oh, okay. That's that's quite the joint. It took, like, 30 minutes to clean the weed. Were you by yourself, or did you have people? No, I was at, it was actually a really great story. So I was at a house party. I was, like, 17. And there was like 100 people there. And basically, I sort of um, crowdsourced a lot of the weed. And so I made this big joint. It was really exciting. We finally got it ripping. And then, uh, like, I don't even think it made its way around the circle. It was canoeing a little bit. Everyone was trying Still to... Still got like, the lingo. I'm, yeah. I'm all into it. <laughs> Boating. And it was like, we hadn't quite made it around the circle yet. Mm-hmm. And the cops came. The cops came before the full rotation? Yeah. So I grabbed the joint and ran into the Pacassandra, into the woods. I put the joint out and I hit it. And then I ran far away from that joint. And then I, like, whatever, laid down in the woods mm-hmm. next to a, a girl that I didn't know. Didn't even know she was there. Was she in the joint circle or was she, had she no, been running she from, a, from a separate location? She became my girlfriend. And then I went back the next day to find the joint. Couldn't find it. So I kind of, like... Good news, bad news, who knows? <laughs> I mean, I wonder if it's still out there in the pack of sand or somewhere. Yeah. And you know what? Jen works in golf right now. This is this is your ex-girlfriend yeah. who She's I'm like guessing was not a golfer at the time either. Correct. Neither was I. Yeah. Anyway, we've segued here, but no, don't smoke unless circumstances provide them. I mean, in, in Korea, in Vietnam, in Thailand, smoking is like drinking water, you know? So if you don't smoke... You might You're die. die. <laughs> uh, speaking of, um, we got a bunch of LACC questions uh, from the Gareth Bale video, mm. from from that whole week, from your experience there. I did want to pull out one or two of them. Um, obviously, there are the questions about the you know the tournament itself and all that. But I did like this from Ben. Did you pull your? So if you haven't watched the video, go watch it. 
Eric shoots an 89, and it comes down a little bit more to the wire. Oh, just dropping spoilers. Then it sh- maybe even needed to. Uh, but did you pull your second to last putt on purpose? Is what Ben asks. Wow, Ben. You give me far too much credit, first of all. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. I would never try and make it that close. I mean, if I did pull it on purpose, I don't think I would have put it that far away. That was my favorite part of it was the reaction as it rolled out that extra eight inches mm. after the lip out. And you went, oh, come on. <laughs> don't make me do this. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's certainly dramatic effect. I mean, JoJo and I have experienced many times during pickleball and ping pong when you're slaughtering somebody, it's nice to give them a chance to come back, right? Because ultimately, all we want is a game, right? I mean, I, for me, like, yeah. I don't really want to slaughter somebody, you know. Unless you can do the full skunk. Full and then skunk even then, like, maybe once or twice. It's hard to do. Yeah. I mean, you want a good match. You want a close match. That's what I was kind of hoping for. You know, I was we, honestly, I think on Sunday, we were all thinking, Wyndham, like, love you, bro, but kind of want to see a bit more of a fight. Like, want you know, Ricky or Rory just close him and like, you know, we want playoffs. Yeah. And and that goes back to even the skunk thing I was just saying, where the alternative though is I, I love going back and watching those highlights of Tiger just slaughtering the field. Yeah. In like 2001 at like at the U S open, exciting. the record is like what? 15 strokes, 17 strokes that he won by Yeah, something ridiculous that I can, that I love to watch. But what I don't want is like the, I don't want the four or five strokes ahead such that they can do whatever they want in the last mm. two holes. Like I want 17 and 18 on an LACC, which when you and Gareth played, y'all played that last hole notwithstanding. You both parred 17, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then and I remember on the day, because at that point in the round when we do the break 90s, like we're really thinking about how many strokes we have to play with usually. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking that the hole wasn't that hard on the day. Which one? 17. And then... It's it's not. I mean, if you can put one in the fairway, it's not that hard. The tournament, like, when you're watching it, first of all, people aren't putting it in the fairway all the time. Well, th- that's because, like, they're better at being good. I mean, I hit it into a different... I hit it where Rory hit it. Oh, yeah. That's like right. Like, on 17, I was on the second fairway. Maybe a play. I don't know if Rory did that intentionally, but like if you think about it, like if you're going for the fairway and you hit one of those LACC fairway bunkers, like those are pretty penal. Like you're not really going to hit the green from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? Can I say Skinner? Mm, yes, but with a caveat that we'll, we'll need to hear a turtle as well. Leonardo. Leonardo, yeah. Just I don't even know why. Just a better name maybe than the others. Yeah. Raphael. Like, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of people need a little bit of credit for that. Why the switch from Vice to Encore? Ooh, packing some heat in the questions. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's a big question. Elvis asked this question. Can we talk about this? I mean, he's it's a gonna. Free country, you know, like, <laughs> you can talk about whatever you want. Um, yeah, I mean, the truth is, uh, you know what's funny is I went to the PGA show this year. You weren't there, but... We had a great time, went to the PGA show, and met the team from Encore, started talking to them about the ball. I'd obviously heard about this ball. If you haven't heard about the ball, check it out. Go look at whatever, Golf Geek, Golf, Golf, whatever the websites, Golf WRX, and... Is it like Golf Spy? What's the My other? Golf Spy, yeah. So if you look at those two, check out the reviews of Encore. It is, um, I'm pretty sure it's the only ball, the startup golf ball company, to never be sued by a Kushnet which says something about something. I don't know what it is, but uh, four-piece ball, and you know it's a little more expensive than your average mm, vice ball, but it's superior construction, basically. That's kind of what it comes down to. And anyway, I met the team down there. They gave me some. I started looking at it, and you know, long-time vice guy. I played vice ball since kind of the beginning of my career, and... Um, Loved the ball, loved working with Vice, loved making the commercials and all that stuff. But ultimately, it seemed like the thing that I care the most about when selecting partners. And by the way, someone did ask me the other day. They said, I got a LinkedIn message from a guy who said, hey, not to be blunt, but to be blunt, does Tacoma pay you to play their irons? I'm interested in getting some, but it's a hard choice because I can't try before I buy. Yeah, And I'm going to respond here right now if you're that guy. Uh, yes, Tacoma, Arcos, Encore, all of those companies, groups of people 
make the great content that we want to make possible to give to you for free by supporting the production cost of the videos. So um, that's part one. Part two is to answer your question specifically about Tacoma and perhaps Encore and Arcos. Like I'm never going to use something for my golf game that I don't love. Even the lab putter, right? Like I love it. People make fun of me. They're like, it looks crazy. And I'm like, you know, what's going to look crazy is me dropping this from. <laughs> so for me, it's very much about um, selecting quality brands. And then the third part is selecting quality brands that want to support our community. And so Encore has come up with a really cool way for us to deliver a cool product to our community. So when you come to an event, there's going to be free Encore balls there. Anyway, Encore, great company, great ball, great people. Um, very excited to be playing Encore. Um, and so, yeah, and then actually going back to the second question that was asked was, Arcos, how much do you enjoy them? High handicap friendly. Um, I had a conversation about this last week. I was on the golf course, a guy, 50 years old, you know, 10 handicapper telling me that he doesn't want to practice. So therefore Arcos isn't right for him. Bullshit. Horse, horse manure, right? Like it's, it's what's really cool about Arcos is that it tells you things about your game that no one can. And I actually gave them this tagline. I wonder if they're going to use it. The cheapest way to invest in your success. You, you're just I out here doing free creative agency it. work. It was, it was maybe it was maybe the cheapest investment in your score, the cheapest way to invest in your score, whatever, something like that. And it's true, right? Because what's, what Arcos is telling you is how often you typically hit your clubs. So the idea that people would argue with my five would going 260, I mean, do you want to also argue about gravity and, you know, science and things? Yeah, I, I also use these products, and I'm not paid by them in any way, shape, or You are or paid by them. I guess maybe, yeah, I guess so. But I'm not paid by them to use them. You don't need to use, use them. them. Yeah, and I choose but to. But you're strongly them. encouraged to. <laughs> it's gone out of frame. In order to support them. Uh, I got a question here from Jack Thomas Chapman. A little bit of a segue. Mm. Segue. Dead, death row meal. And any four guests, dead or alive, that would join you. Death row meal. And you don't you don't have to choose me. I don't need to be hanging out having that dinner with you. Although. Okay, so I get I get a foursome to eat with my last meal. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean honestly, it's my last meal, so like I don't care about what's going to happen next. So it's probably like a gallon of cookie. It's 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 a gallon of homemade vanilla ice cream. God. With. Are you choosing to die by this meal? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that'd be awesome. And so it's a gallon of homemade ice cream, vanilla, with like a dozen freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. I'm going to town on that. Probably going to throw up, right? I'm going to eat the whole thing, throw up. And then next, it would be, I think it would just be like world's best hamburger. You know what I mean? The, whatever that is. I don't know. Like I would just be like, what's the best hamburger? Bring it. Prepare it right away, you know? It would probably be a like... Just a nice patty, maybe like Wagyu, you know, medium. Smash burger or are we whatever. doing a sure. one? I don't care. You don't care. You're just like whatever the best it's just one whatever is. the best one is. You're right. not doing like a 10-core a sushi meal here. You're not you're not trying to drag it out. No, I want to I want to eat. I'm going to be done in like 40 minutes. You don't want to get creative with this and be like, I just want a fortune cookie that, you know, tells me the secret to life on the inside. I already know that. Uh, okay. Yeah. And the four, who are your four guests? Especially what? if I'm going to death row. Like, I know something that. I, I see what you mean. Like, I've done something. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, something's happened. I definitely have some learnings to take into the next life. Yeah. And then it would just be like some, like, in between shoestring and like matchstick fries. Like, in between. Yeah. Like, there's like a mid there. It's kind of like that eighth day. It's just like this mid fry. What is that? Have you, have you ever had that mid fry? Yeah, Why not crinkle cut it as well? No. I think crinkle cut is a waste of real estate. <laughs> you you hate that they're taking things each, away? Each joint in the crinkle is a lack of surface area to provide you with salt or oil. How do you feel about the waffle? Also, yeah, no, I'm just, I mean, like, I'll eat them. Like, I'm not going to complain. And curly fries are way out? Curly fries are just hard to eat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, it doesn't need to be this big. <laughs> the curl provides us with nothing. You know, what you want is you want to be able to pick up a thing of fries like a giant picking up sticks and just throw them inside the chopper. The curl provides chopper. us with nothing. That'll go on the gravestone. <laughs> That's the epitaph. Yeah, I like that. Who's the uh, who's your who's your foursome? Oh, a foursome. And I get to play one round of golf. Uh, yeah, you can add that to this hypothetical. Shit, man. Um, it would be... Dead or alive, they said. 
Whoa, dead or alive. So we're obviously just going like fantastic, right? Okay, cool. So The Rock. Dwayne. Yeah. I'd love to get one last bump before I go, you know, just one like, you know, social media bump, you know, pick up, uh, pick up 10,000 followers on my way out of the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, The Rock and then Dead or Alive, Old Tom would be sick. Old Tom Morris. Yeah. Just like full beard. Yeah. You know. Freaking out over a gallon of uh, homemade ice cream, by the way. Yeah. By the way, the irony is, is that The Rock and Old Tom probably going to make a movie together. You know, probably writing a script. Oh, you're bringing those two people together. Yeah. I'm producing. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. And then uh, and then I think it would be, um, uh, and then I think it would be, uh, oh, fuck, what's the actress's name from? Uh, oh, the one from Succession? No, 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 that's good. That's good. No, I was thinking, um, oh God, I'm blanking on her name. Um, she was in, uh, what's the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? He plays her wife in the Jared Belfort movie. Oh, you're talking about Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. She's my celebrity crush. She's amazing. She's also a wonderfully talented producer. Whatever, dude. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) like she's hot, dude. And like. She's got she's got the like her lips like go yeah. down a little bit. Australian pout. Yeah, the pout. Well, it's actually it's an international pout. <laughs> I was just making it up, but her, it, it kind of sounded right, didn't she it? She is Australian. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know something something about Margot Robbie. I don't know if you're sure. listening, Margot. Um, she's not. <laughs> she might be. She might be. Hold on, let me let me just break this down though. So uh, the, the four of you sit down to a meal. Yeah. Right. It's a little cafeteria style. Think about it. You got two golfer philosophers, and then you got two just like heavyweight Hollywood. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's going to be interesting because they can go either way. They can go whichever way we kind of, and they'll pull us into whatever we want to get pulled into because they know based on their improvisation skills, how to make a great conversation happen. They're going to pull things out of Tom that no one has. The ice cream comes out, the burger comes out. Yeah. And you, you're basically putting together a dream team for the movie you want to watch because you want to see... Oh, this isn't filmed? I thought this was like oh, this inside is, the actor studio. This is, this is actors this on actors. That'd be a cool show. My last meal. My last meal, yeah. And then, you, and then the guy gets killed. Yeah, hard to sign off on. You know, there's some waivers involved, but people want to die. We could make it we could make it happen. People would do it. We'll we'll think about like it. If we were like, hey, we'll give you ten billion dollars. Where um where are y'all playing? The course? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Could be anything. Yeah, I mean, doesn't really matter. Like it's kinda like where am I dying? Am I like am I because that's kind of like a key component, right? Yeah, it comes back to would you rather know um when or how you die? I think I'd like to play somewhere with like like light energy. Like I wouldn't want to play the prison golf course at Angola. <laughs> like that'd be kind of dark energy leading into my last round. I yep. think it's got to be like you know, it might be pebble. Yeah, it might be Really? I thought you'd choose like an easier course. A little target golf. Pebble's hard. Sup playa. We yeah, went break, to Pebble recently. It was either. difficult. It was difficult when yeah. we went recently. Everyone got blown up. Tough day. Windy day. Yeah. I played well there, though. One time I had five birdies. Five birdies? At, I had a couple birdies. Not this week. I, I had a couple birdies. You had a couple back-to-back birdies. Yeah. Little golf course uh, nearby. Um, I got a question here from our ambassador in Seattle. Mm. What's up, Sean? Updates on the bus tour. Uh, so... For those of you that have not heard this before, this summer, we're going to be embarking on a first-of-its-kind golf journey where we're going to get a tour bus and we're going to do nightly stops at golf courses in your city, whether it's Des Moines, Chicago, um, uh, Milwaukee, uh, Nashville, Charlotte, Virginia Beach, uh, Montauk, Providence, Albany maybe or Buffalo. I don't know. Anyway, there's there's a bunch of stops. We're going to be running around on a tour bus holding mad scramble events at your home course. And yeah, the update is we're leaving August 6th and there'll be tickets coming out soon for that. It's going to be a blast. And we'll also be launching membership at that time. So you'll be able to dive into the full experience, get logged in as one of the first few thousand to join Random Golf Club, see what the app is all about. And honestly, tell us why it's shitty. You know, because this is a thing we're starting and like we want your help to make it better. Um, I think we know based on some surveys of like what you want out there. Um, but our goal till the end of time is going to be to make it something that you work with and you like and you want to use and tell other people about. So very excited for all that. And that's coming August. 
And then uh, kind of follow up because there were a bunch of questions about membership. And I, we get to talk about these things here because, you know, this is this is where the real, the real, I don't even know how to describe it, but, you know, you know who you are if you're listening to this podcast. I saw the new bag tags. Mm. I haven't gotten a chance yet to make myself one. I cannot wait. What's so special about, about this edition? Because they just look wonderful and they feel... They feel a little different, but why is that? Do you think? Um, well, they're green. They are that's, green. That's the t- that's the first thing. I mean, I think it's it's a new logo that we've been working on, right? So it's like a refreshed monogram logo, and um, it has some text around it. And you know, I mean, I think there's nothing inherently special about the bag tag, which is the coolest part about it, right? It's kind of like just a piece of plastic, but. It's a piece of plastic that denotes meaning, value, belonging, connection. Um, And, you know, Random Golf Club is something that has been probably in my DNA since long before I started to play golf. It was this idea of, um, you know, I remember in high school, I didn't really have a group of friends. I mean, I had many friends and I was very social, but I kind of was friends with all these different groups. Like, I was friends with the jocks. I was friends with the nerds. I was friends with the stoners. I was friends with the, um, you know, the creatives. And like, I kind of just floated around the hallway. Uh, and I remember just like enjoying all the diverse different mindsets of the different companies of people. And, um, you know, Random Golf Club, I think that's the point, right? Is like, we celebrate this kind of like different, um, methods of thought and, um, you know, like, you know, like combinations of experience together on the golf course. And I think celebrating that this person went to college or this person didn't, or this person has a job in this area or they don't, or this person plays golf this way or whatever. It's like, that's like maybe the most refreshing thing about the game. And so the idea that we would want to like self-select into a group that's like very homogenous is like, you know, that's like missing the point of golf. You know, we, we have this opportunity to play with whomever. Whereas in other sports, right, like you're really restricted to ability. And with golf, you're not. So you can play with absolutely anyone on the planet. And um, that's what that bag tag kind of means is like something for everyone, you know. Uh, and we've got that. And so for me, the new member kit and the bag tag and the new zine that we're launching is all part of kind of formalizing that experience and creating a, you know, pathway or a structure around creating more experiences like that for everyday golfers in their local areas. So anyway, a lot of things coming with membership. Um, but first up is that's the way to get the new bag tag and, uh, get your name on it engraved with your member number based on, when you applied for membership. I'm excited. I'm excited uh, for the mad scramble. Uh, if you haven't seen the video we did eight or nine months ago, the 50 person player scramble, how low can you go? I'm excited for more of those. Dude, I'm excited so to the first ever, um, hit us up, honestly, uh, hello at random golf club, Jojo random golf club, radio, random golf club, many to choose from. What do you want to see a hundred people do on a golf course? Because, I can't wait for the 50 versus 50. Ooh. Want to do that. I want to I want to ask people their handicaps. Who do you think wins in a six-hole scramble? Six scratch golfers versus 20 high handicappers. I have some thoughts. <laughs> I mean, six scratch golfers are going to be pretty hard to beat. Yeah, but... In a scramble? In a scramble, it's tough. Well, what about four? What do you think four versus 20? I don't know. Because it comes down to eagles at that point, right? Are four scratch golfers birdieing every single hole? Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt, right? Especially if they're like really scratch and they can and hit they get far. four. They basically get four shots at each shot. And, so and they can get it far, ideally. I mean, they might miss a putt, but like it, it just depends on like what kind of scratch are we talking. I've met some scratches that are not. Sure. That are like kind of shooting 80. And I guess it goes down to a good day, bad day, right? They need to be primed. They need to be ready to go. And the camera adds 10 pounds. Camera certainly adds strokes. I want to see the video. Yeah. I want to see speed golf, you know, 50 player. Yeah, yeah. We did that in Sweden. That was fun. Uh, either way, um, 
There's so much to look forward to. Uh, we do have a surprise on the podcast today. Do you have any other questions you, you saw that you wanted to get through? Um, golf book recommendations. Uh, Cosmic Laws of Golf. Amazing book. Uh, where's your whoop? Where's your whoop? Did you drop it? Only Apple Watch now. Um, I, I have been wearing uh, my Apple Watch almost exclusively, and I love it. Um, whoop is actually going to... Uh, we're going to do something cool with them this summer. I'm really excited to get back into it because I basically love my whoop and I'm excited to get back into it. Uh, Will's a great guy. Any Canadian stops on the breaking series? No, unfortunately, but we may be going to Vancouver next year, which would be cool. How has your sobriety changed your golf game and mental approach? Ooh, great question. Let's lean into this one really quickly. The thing about like, the thing about that question is really interesting because ultimately the way I want to answer it is it's just like let go. Just like whatever happens, it's all good, right? Like like it nothing matters as long as you're still in the game. And um, that's kind of a lesson I've learned through that. I have one for you uh, because uh, we, we, we have a Wyndham Clark question because we did you did a Wyndham Clark podcast a couple years ago. And he went out and shot his career low. What the next day, something insane like that. Yeah. So we pulled some audio from that podcast. Oh, cool. So if you throw those headphones on. Oh yeah. 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 We got props. We got everything over here. <sighs> yeah. I'm excited to hear this blast from the past here. Let's see. Ideal situation on a Sunday. Do you want to be one shot back or one shot clear? Uh, starting uh, first tee time. Yeah. First tee time. Um, I mean, obviously I'd love to have a one shot lead, but really if I'm just in the hunt, I think, okay. I mean the tournament, most tournaments don't really start till the back nine. It, it, when you're in contention, if you're within two shots, even three or four, I mean, there's crazy things that have happened. So especially this year so far. Yeah. I mean, you can make five birds on the back nine or a guy can fall apart. And so as long as I'm realistically, as long as I'm within three going to the back nine, that's a successful week. And that's where I want to be. Yeah. He knows. I mean, what did he start at? He started tied. He started tied, 10 under. Yeah. So just talk us through, give us a little like context on that clip. So crazy story. So I got to interview Wyndham Clark three years ago, right before the waste management. And, you know, wonderful guy, very nice, came over to my hotel room. We did a little podcast in the room. I don't think we got video, but he um, was talking a lot about kind of what it takes to win and sort of being two shots back on a Sunday is like the ideal place for him to be. And, um, you know, just a general theme of optimism. And what was interesting is we did this podcast on a Wednesday, uh, the day before the waste management started. And uh, on Thursday, he goes out and shoots, I think, a 61. His lowest round ever. And I think the lowest round ever at TPC Scottsdale during the waste management. So what's really interesting is some of the things we talked about um, were more about why he plays golf. Like for what? For whom? Um, you know, we all have a purpose out there. And I think score alone doesn't really mean anything. But um, greatness is kind of what I think tour players are after. You know, we, I think we're all after greatness at some point. You know, we, we just want to make something great. We talked about that Saul Bass clip about like, hey, I'm not making this for you. I'm making this for me. And so on some level, I'll bet any tour player would say, I'll shoot my career low, even if I, I would prefer to shoot my, I prefer to do something great rather than win. And many players have said, I would, I would, um, cancel, um, you know, uh, shooting a 59 in order to win the masters or I would, whatever, whatever you determine is great is kind of, um, human design, right. Is to, is to create greatness. And, um, you know, Wyndham kind of connected to that, I think, in our time together on the podcast and, you know, talked a lot about playing big, talked about a lot of his, what, what his mother had kind of like worked with him on, uh, before she passed away too early. And, um, I, I have to imagine that on some level those, uh, you know, like, like motivating factors around what got him into golf and, and, and what he aspires to do to be great just showed up on Thursday and it was like guy couldn't miss, you know? And, um, I think interesting thing, like if we zoom out and look at like, I played the other day, I was even through seven feeling really good. 
and then double double right and it's like oh like there's this kind of jenga there's this there's this uh house of cards that kind of exists in golf and it's kind of like it's not about your swing it's not about you know the grain it's not about the wind it's really just about your own relationship to kind of like accepting that there's actually no obstacle to greatness outside of your own mind and um you know wind improve that right like how do you win twice right boom done like what is it like seven million dollars in earnings in the last seven weeks or something um i don't know i just think uh what a, couldn't pick a better candidate to win as a first timer of a major like that very cool yeah my favorite thing that he says on that the whole podcast is it doesn't start until the back nine on sunday yeah how much work goes into the first I guess like three quarters of that experience. It's just table stakes. Just getting you to that place. And yeah. you saw it there on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it's like golf has a lot of these games within a game. Like, oh, like short game, long game, driving, putting. Like the, those are two different games. And then on the deeply competitive level, it's kind of like there's, um, you know, uh, 63 holes or what, or 64 holes. How many fucking holes are there? There's uh, 63. 63, yeah. 63 holes to get you to the tournament. Yeah. And then there's nine to win the tournament. So if you can show up on the 64th hole and be, like Wyndham said, three shots back at the most, then you can do something. And on golf, that exists on every level. It goes back to what you say, defining great, because the Corn Fairy guys, the Monday Q guys, yeah. like for them, great is qualifying. Great is making the cut. Four spots. Yeah, making the cut. Yeah, boom. I mean, and 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 that's what's interesting about great is that um, humans have this like you know um, baked in evolutionary kind of uh, you know bar that we lift. Great, just it keeps getting different, right? And like you know, for Elon, richest guy in the world, it's just about other planets now. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like money is game over. Right, like I've won that game. Yeah, and even if he cycles up and down, I don't think he really even gives a shit now. Now it's just about like, what is the next level of greatness that I can create or acquire for myself or for humanity at large? Right, like, and so what's interesting is like, for me to watch um, Sebastian Vettel's like retirement speech uh, at the end of Abu Dhabi last year, like, you know, the guy had achieved greatness in a car, and um, and even Gareth Bale, right, like. Gareth Bale was looking for a different kind of great, looking for great with his family. And that's, and that's like fucking valid as hell, man. And, uh, and Sebastian was talking about using his platform to like, you know, uh, make the world a better place. I mean, yeah, great is just sort of always at your fingertips. Uh, and then it's also only a mind away, you know? I love QNI podcast. We're going to go to a quick break and then we have a very special guest coming on the podcast, someone you would never expect. We got a couple questions about the man who uses no ball. Peter, golf. get in here. Hello, fresh. Um, basically, here's the deal. You're going to get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip the trips to the grocery store because we don't want to do that unless you're single. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. You go to the grocery. You know what Great I mean? Great meat cue spot. Even better meet you spot, HelloFresh, invite someone over, you're an extra, you're already a pro chef. Yeah, you, you go to the grocery and don't buy anything. Just start talking to that. I, when you said meet cute, I spelled it in my head as M-E-A-T. M-E-A-T. <laughs> it is a meet cute. <laughs> um, anyway, you're going to make cooking at home fun, easy, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. So this summer, HelloFresh is here to take the work out of eating well, reach your goals with delicious, calorie-smart, and protein-smart lunch and dinner options. Plus new vegan recipes too. I've tried them. They're delicious. We have them here at the office. I have them at my house. HelloFresh Market has snacks, meals, and more to add on to your weekly order, like their fun s'mores bundles for the kids. Uh, I have done that, and I like that. It's just, honestly, it's just like, it feels like you have a personal chef. And I know I'm probably not allowed to say that, but whatever. It's more convenient than grocery shopping. But did you know that it's also cheaper to basically 25% less expensive than takeout? So go to HelloFresh.com slash EALshow16 and use the code EALshow16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. 
It's a pretty good deal. 16 free meals, folks. Yeah, we're giving you the hack. Just try it because uh, you don't have to spend any money. And then, wow, look, it's your next good. month, you're eating dinner for free. I mean, I'm wondering, like, do they know if I use it a lot? I've tried. You know, I'm, I'm a little scared. They know the email. <laughs> you just start, like, because basically, I don't know how much the value of that is. It's probably a lot. So, like, you could just set up new email addresses. Anyway, oh, wait. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying that. Anyway, go to HelloFresh.com slash EALShow16 and use the code EALShow16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. So, when did we uh, play golf together? That was, like, how long ago? 10 years. 2013. 2013. Yeah, remember that? And you <laughs> were friends uh, with Julie, right? Uh, or, Jamie. Um, Jamie Zimron, yes. Jamie Zimron, yeah. That's right. And I had told her about playing without a ball. In fact, she did it a few times with a couple of her clients and really enjoyed it. And and she goes, hey, you know what? You ought to connect with this guy because he's doing this documentary. And there it went. How uh, how many times a week would you say that you play with no ball? Oh, per week, not. Uh, so I started... First time I ever did it was in uh, 2000. Uh, first time I ever did even one hole was 1995. But I didn't really start playing until early 2000s where I would play only once a month, roughly, without a ball. And then I'd play with a ball um, mixed in there. And then I developed a way that I wanted to do it where I my first swing was without the ball. And then my next swing was with the ball, kind of like your player B thing, which I was just listening to that. It's really, I think, ties into the player B thing where you can get your brain straight, right? Sometimes by shanking one, other times by just envisioning a good shot. Um, and so so then I got hot on it in uh, 2010, 11, 12, right before I saw you. I think I played maybe still kind of only once a month, roughly, uh, that I would do it to keep it fresh in me because it still was brewing all these different ideas. Um, and so, so here so, we are, but so has playing with no ball helped you play with a ball? Yes. So when I was doing both regularly, um, first of all, it's that state of mind that you talk about so much, right? It's like, how can we be in the right state of mind? They say how important the mental game of golf is. And then does anybody ever practice it? And when you do practice it, is it just, Okay, down the middle. Good. Okay, now I'm going to go. <laughs> right? It, it, that's how it was for me before this came to me. It was just like, all right, yeah, nice, down the middle. But no real integrated, right, feeling of that was actually it, and I've got to go stand where it went, right? And so that really puts it into your into your system because you're walking down there and you're like, oh, there it is, <laughs> right? And it's like, okay, it's, it's living in me. I would imagine on some oh. level, like, when when you start to get good at playing without a ball, I mean, you're almost experimenting with manifestation, right? Clearly. Oh, very much so. When you, I think more than anything, well, for me, so the, the hitting a decent drive was always kind of easy, but you get up there with an eight iron or something, and then it's like, oh, look at it go, trickle, trickle, oh, 15 feet, right? It's like, well, wait a minute. Why did I leave it at 15 feet? Right. What what is it in me that thinks that's all I'm worth, all I can't even imagine for myself? And so then it's like, all right, let's we can do better than this. But then you get over a putt and it's like cling, cling, cling. Right. You you make the putt and it's like <laughs> right down the three and you charge off to the next tee. So it lives in you. It kind of relates to something that Jojo, you and I were just talking about, which is this kind of like uh, the only limiter to greatness is in in here you know like <laughs> we can sort of acquire whatever uh at any time i mean obviously like you can't just like pick up a golf club for the first time and get a hole in one although that has happened and that's probably more luck but whatever well it's so funny you asked that eric so i was talking to peter yesterday peter how many no golf ball hole in ones do you have zero <laughs> well you want to hear if uh Yes, zero. Well, here's a funny story. I'll I'll add to that though, because the like it was the third time I was playing, I think, and uh, it was getting dark, and we didn't have time to finish eight and nine, so we were going to hit. I was going to hit from the eighth tee to the ninth green, but had to go over some trees, right? And uh, so I go, I'm going to hit, and these other people that I was playing with, I go, I'll run up there and try to find your ball, or you know, keep an eye out for your ball. 
So I hit my no ball shot and ran up uh, to the ninth green. And then they all hit and they came up and I showed them where their balls were. And they go, well, where's yours? And I'm like, huh, I was so busy just thinking about getting back up there and it was over trees and stuff. I never, never even visualized where it ended. And I was looking around. <laughs> it was just a classic moment, right? I'm like, where is that? I don't know. And I go up to the hole and there's a ball, actual ball in the hole. And I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> Amazing. So I teed off without a ball, but manifested one in the hole. So that was a <laughs> pseudo hole in one to a, a different green as we love to play our randomness of golf. But other than that, zero legitimate, I imagined it going in the hole. I couldn't give myself that. Yeah. Right. The longest shot I've ever made is like 60 yards or something. Right. So it's like I couldn't I wasn't able even playing many times to break through because I knew I was going to have to act it out. Right. Right. Is you, you hit a hole in one like that. You got to live it or it's just totally fake. And, and a hole in one on some level, whether without a ball or with a ball is one of those. It, it's it's definitely a factor of manifestation, but it's so special that it also has to incorporate some luck. Yeah. And I think you, you, you hit it on the head. It's special in a whole different kind of way, because of course I got a buddy, he started playing. I had already been playing for 10 years. He starts playing. He gets a hole in one, like the fifth time he's played. Wow. Right. On this one hole where there's a big hill and it feeds it into the, feeds it onto the green. You know, it's not like he hit it exactly into the hole. He hit it up on the hill and it rolled in, but still, he had a hole in one and I've been playing for 22 years and hadn't had a hole in one or whatever. So right. then my mom got one and my dad got one. It's just like breathe. It's okay. There's more to it than uh, that destination. Right. We think, uh, but know. do you think, do you think if you set up on a par three with a thousand imaginary golf balls, do you think at some point you could get a hole in one with no ball? Oh God. Yeah. That's a great, thank you. Never thought of that. Never thought to sit there and hit more and really stretch, almost like going to the range, right? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever taken <laughs> the no range ball without the a range? ball? Have you ever done the range with no ball? I have not done the range with no ball. See, there's so much more randomness left to my randomness. <laughs> Peter, that you gotta, I haven't even stumbled into yet. You got to practice how you play, Peter. I mean, that's that's there the rule go. of golf. Sheesh. Yeah. Hey, can you, <laughs> Good uh, to see you, Jojo. Thanks for the help uh, coordinating all this. What I did not know, I'd love. I'd love you to tell us a little bit more about how spirituality in golf has kind of impacted your life. And specifically, yeah. I'd love to hear about, because Peter actually is, um, is a writer, mm. and I didn't know this, but he's been working on a bunch of different projects, um, including a golf fable. Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. yes. And this, well, this was part of what, drew me into you in the first place obviously your documentary was all about spirituality and meditation and golf and how the right the whole story getting understanding the bigger concepts of golf and and for me it really came I've always known that golf was like life uh, as a kid I lived close to a golf course and walked through the plum orchard to the fourth tee and I would go out sneak on at night right and uh like you've mentioned in some of your in some of your podcasts, is like I don't know that I ever would have been into the game if I didn't realize I could just walk on and get to play a bunch, a little seven hole loop, uh, you know, between dusk and dark, and so it became a friend, right? It was a place that I went. It was well, the Cheers Bar is what just came to mind, but it was a it was a friend. It was a it was a deep place for me to be with contemplation, be with myself, be with the game that I knew was all dealing with ups and downs. And so it always lurked there before spirituality had really come into my world. Um, but that came in in the late 90s. I got deeper into wanting to untangle the mysteries. And as I would continue to play golf uh, and then this this idea came in, it's like, wow, this is visualization. This is manifesting. This is the secret. Right. This is our intentions create our reality, all this stuff. And how does spirituality tie into that? It it. Uh, our, our connection, knowing our connection to the bigger picture, knowing yeah. our connection to the magic of the universe, as I like to call it, and and then and then living that. So with golf, it came through in this fable that I'm more than halfway done writing, short fable, but uh, it's taken me a long time to figure out how it pieces together. But 
in this fable, a frustrated golfer, me, reaches out to the gods of golf and say, what the heck does it take to make this work, right? And uh, and then starts hearing a voice, all right? And I said, whoa, what's that, all right? And he said, hi, uh, it's par. Par? Par who? Par, I'm, I'm the god of golf, right? And it's like, oh, my, this is crazy. This is your par, the one from golf, <laughs> right? And par says, oh, are there other pars? Somebody trying to move in on my name here, right? Yeah. It's this 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 little give and take, but it, it goes on. The story plays out where par assists Peter um, to realize why. Why are you even playing? Yeah. What is the purpose of all of this? And what is the – and can you see yourself um, – in the entanglement, in the in the drama, in in how you're living, how you're being on the golf course, and how that ties into how you be when you're living your life, and so that was very uh, prominent in the spiritual dance. Right? Is that who am I connected to the bigger world, and how do I be amidst the ups and downs, and and the maybes from from Alan Watts, big fan of Alan Watts. Maybe um, it's right. Maybe. Right? Can I just hit that shot? And okay, Maybe. that's where the next magic has to start from. That's really all it is—is is the starting point for the next possibility. Um, we got so what? What we got to get together and play. Um, wh- how should we like? You know, like how should we do it? Yeah. What should, what video should we make, Peter? Yeah. Good. Good question. I got lots of ideas, man. Ever since I dug deeper with you guys here after this thing came out. I love the random golf club. I want to, I want to be the random golf club guy for Monterey, Santa Cruz. Let's do you it. Know, I think, I think this, uh, I think this, what I call it, it's conversations with par is the name of my fable. And I, it ties in to the deer golf thing that you've right, done right. where we're actually communicating in your case with golf, the game in my case, just ever slightly twisted into a persona that lives in you, right? That golf lives in you. From right. the moment you make the tea time, from the moment you, the whole part of it, right? They're putting on your shoes and cleaning your clubs and all of it is. So what I can imagine for us is, uh, yeah, I come out to Austin or if you're out in California and we play around without a ball or half without a ball and half with a ball or some weird combination or any mix and match of things and uh, experience it together. Um, well, there's a couple of things I'd the- like, I'd like to see. I'd love to see a match, you know, an, an actual <laughs> well, there match. You go. <laughs> Either both of you no ball or one of you ball, one of you without a ball. Mm. A 2v2, you know, you and Peter roll up and uh, challenge two people to a match. We could do alternate, like, hole. So, like, first hole, Peter has no ball. I have a ball. Second hole, I have no ball. Peter has a ball. I love that. Yeah. We could, we could do a series. Of, we could do six-hole matches where it's, like, each have no ball, each have a ball, and then ball, no ball, whatever. It'd be great to yeah. go to a uh, a PGA professional or just a top coach, just a coach, and just ask for a lesson. No ball. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, they would probably love that, actually. I mean, that might help, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, swing at the ball. You know, and that's, that's something Peter has no problem with. I would love to see almost <laughs> two nine holes, like one 18 hole, first one with a ball, second nine without a ball, see what you score better. Yeah. That'd be an interesting one. I think, you know what? I think I'd love to hear from the community. Like, what what match do you want to see here uh, regarding ball, no ball, whatever? How does that play out? You know, like, let us know. Let us know in the comments what you want to see. Yeah. I think this is a beautiful opportunity to get the community involved. Uh, I got on to, I mean, there's two over 200 messages from that uh, yeah. 19,000 people that viewed that thing, which amazed me. You guys are getting some amazing numbers. I thought that was amazing. And I see you almost have 400,000 on the U.S. Open thing for your YouTube. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, but did you say... Did you say 19,000 people viewed that video? Not yeah. True. Not true. Not true, Peter. 700,000? Uh, well, 19,000 on Instagram. No, it's about, uh, about 700,000 on Instagram and then another 600,000 on TikTok. Boom. So you're, you're looking at 1.3 million people, Peter. A lot of people. Who, uh, who've, who've watched a play with no ball. I'd love to hear How your reaction we... when you first watched it. Well, so a good buddy of mine sent it to me, right? And uh, he was from the neighborhood. He was the young kid in the neighborhood who was like five or six years younger than the rest of us. Uh, but but uh, he came out, and I helped teach him golf when he was 10 or 11 or something. But uh, he's gone on to be great in the golf world. He he actually plays out at Clint Eastwood's uh, course in uh, Carmel, 
Tehama is his membership. So I'm hoping to do one of my uh, random golf club events out there. But so he sends this to me and I see, you know, Klingaling and I see that figure on there and I'm like, oh my God, that's me. He's, he's used some of this video from the thing we made 10 years ago. And as a creative, right, this possibility that something that you do gets seen, right, is obviously just amazing. And I'll admit that I've had a little less of that being seen thing than I would prefer <laughs> as an author and a creative, right? I, I'm open to more. Uh, I'm still dealing with these numbers that you just mentioned to me. Um, <laughs> it's like I'm thrilled at 19,000. Hey, maybe yeah, it's like, no, oh, no, it's, it's a million three or so and bound to be maybe a few more after this thing. So uh, but I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, my God, because, you know, when I came out and played and in, was in the midst of this, it's like, yeah, my crazy idea is going to be in a golf documentary. Right. This is going to happen. Maybe, maybe. And and then obviously, Eric, you've been through a big process with all of that. And it's like. Maybe, maybe someday there's all these dice that are tumbling in my world with different projects that I'm doing, waiting for something to come up. And then I'm watching that and I'm like, oh, my God, they had so much fun exploring it out yeah. of nowhere. Right. And and the jokes that are the jokes that are possible with uh, play without a ball or what I call be the ball, the be the ball training. Uh, the jokes are hilarious and and multifold and tie right into Caddyshack. Right. It's like there's. Chevy Chase doing the be the ball, but even more Bill Murray doing Cinderella story, former greenskeeper, right? And he's hitting flowers and imagining where the ball goes. And then he's putting and he wins a, you know, Cinderella story. So my heart just, I'll tell you how I felt. It was just like, whoa, this is so great. I'm so honored that it's sharing and that because as a creative too, you know, these crazy ideas that we have, we get attached a little bit <laughs> yeah. to the possibility yeah. that they might be something, right? And I've been wanting to be an author for a long time and really have had some just small self-published stuff. But so it just, it filled my heart, Jojo. It was just like, oh my God. And look, there's 6,000 views. Oh, 9,000 views. Oh, 12,000 views, you know, just on Instagram. Because when I go to Instagram, it says there's 19,000 views. I don't know. Those are, uh, those how... are, those are likes, Peter. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> people like it, man. Uh, you right now, the 19,000 likes, but then if you go here, Peter, this is where it says, Oh, 700,000 views, <laughs> and then beyond that, <laughs> it's got 300 comments. Um, anyway, yeah, I, um, I love that we dug out that story and got reconnected, Peter, um, because I think. Golf needs more randomness, like you said. And so we're here to do that, and we're here to make that. So um, we're going to... Oh, gonna... back, but I forgot, the community. So I think yeah. it's a brilliant opportunity to ask the, the community right now, please go out and try it. Yeah. Even if it's just for the last couple holes of an otherwise forgettable round. Yeah. Right? Just take 16, 17, 18, and finish without a ball. And just experience that. Or if you dare, play nine holes. Or if you're really crazy and random... Do it for 18 holes and tell us what happened, Yeah, right? Send us a video. We can invite people to make videos and send them in. Give us your, tell us what happened. Tell us how that felt. Tell us what, because what showed up for me is that all the fear of the last shot and the fear of the next shot and the judgment about where I am over par, under par, should have done better. This guy's beating me. I'm embarrassed. All of that stuff goes away. Yeah. And you're like, oh, squirrel. Right. It's like, hey, there's beautiful birds chirping. I've yeah. never really noticed those flowers over there. And and you build this momentum in you when you write down birdie, because for me, it, it's pretty much mostly birdies and occasional eagle is where I got to. Right. It's like and when you write down birdie, 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 and you're like three under and you're charging to the fourth tee, you've never felt that before. Right? Yeah, it, re it reminds me of uh, juniors, um, you know, teeing off from the forward tee boxes like 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 high school and college athletes teeing off from the forward tee boxes for the sole purpose of getting comfortable with scoring, like getting comfortable with going low. Cause it's just yeah. like, you're right. Writing down, um, you know, under par is foreign for most people. So, but it's also like, there are terrible players that score great and there are great players that can't score. So ultimately it's just sort of in here. Right. And I think when you take the ball away in your example, it really becomes a game in here. And uh, I think that's the coolest thing about, um, you know, your your concept here of playing golf with no ball. And I can't wait to uh, to do it again. So let's set it up. 
Yeah, we'll make yes. it happen. Uh, Peter, we're going to send you some RGC stuff. We got to have you repping the brand. So great to, yeah, for to sure. have you on. And uh, yeah, you never know. We're, you know, Eric, we're doing a, a bus tour around the country. Oh, yeah. And well, may, yeah. Maybe, so you mentioned that. I'm looking forward to the details on that. How great would it be to flexible. have uh, Peter to tee off with, an, uh, with uh, one of his special golf balls? Dude, Peter's going to run this company in two seconds. Just wait. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Thanks for coming Peter on, Peter. Is, Peter is feeling that, too. I really want to be involved in lots of ways. i got lots of <laughs> random ideas. Good. And, uh, we just scratched the surface there, but it's beautiful to be with you guys and to, to be integrated into this wonderful random wholeness. I love it. Well, thank you, Peter, uh, for 10 years ago, for today and in between. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, let's get together in person as soon as possible. Very good. Okay, community, go play. Get right. the ball. Get See out you, there, play without a ball. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Peter. Thanks. Adios. Bye. Okay, cool. Wow, what a great guy. Love Peter, man. What a cool guy. Just all in on it. Uh, cool. I can't wait to play golf with him. So if you have any ideas about what kind of match Peter and I should do, we can't wait to get into it. Um, that'll be coming shortly. Yeah. Have a wonderful Thursday and stay tuned for uh, some, some RGC new products coming your way. New news. Summer. New news. So many new news. It's called the news. Because it's new. Because it's new. See you in the saunas. Uh, Yeah.